And so Merry Christmas to you all. It's great to see you here today on this beautiful morning and to have the chance to join our voices to those of the angels who sang on that first Christmas, glory to God in the highest and peace to people of goodwill. I want to say how nice it is to see uh, all of you here today. The uh, the homily that I'm going to preach tonight is actually the homily that I preached for the readings last night. But just so you know, I, I know the uh, the presence of incense at Mass sometimes causes some 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 problems. Let's just say some problems. And I think many times um, people are sort of like, oh, here he goes again with the incense. Well, last night I got my comeuppance. I incensed myself out. Um, I could, couldn't really finish the homily because I was choking on the incense. So... I have to give it again here this morning. Hopefully, I'll make it all the way through. We're here today because in some way or another, we have allegiance. We have allegiance to the Son of God, who is also the Son of David. That David, to whom God promised that he would place his descendants on his throne and he would reign forever. These promises are invoked again and again in the scriptures involving Christ's birth, speaking of him as the son of David, the one that was promised to that great king, the king of Israel. And he's not just a descendant, but the descendant, the one that God had promised. And in some way or another, all of us are here because we have allegiance to him. There might be different ways that we explain it, but we wouldn't be here were it not for that fact. 2,600 years after that king reigned in a faraway place, we recognize that his reign continues in the person of Jesus, who is the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus is the descendant of David who rules over the nations forever. Jesus is that descendant of David through whom the covenant promises that God made are fulfilled. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will confirm your posterity and establish your throne for all generations. And last night, the reading for Mass, if you attend the Mass for the Christmas Vigil, goes through and starts with a long genealogy. It goes on and on, full of names that you and I probably don't recognize. And genealogies, it's true, are boring. Usually, we skip them in Mass. But they're important. Genealogies, ancestry, lineage, it's important because family is important. And genealogy is a way of expressing that. It was a way of expressing it in in that time, but also in our own. Family is important. We all, we all get this intuitively. It's part of our culture. Right? We know that Christmas comes and we make time for family. We don't have to think about it. We just know that's what you do. It's because we live in a Christian culture, at least a culture that has Christian foundations. This is part of our patrimony. And it's something that people who don't have that allegiance to Christ or who are actively working against him, even they will recognize. Yeah, the holidays, it's time for family. Whether that's easy or whether that's difficult. 
It's a very biblical thing. It's a sign of the foundations of our Christian patrimony still at work in our culture. And it's a beautiful thing because when we reverence family, when we celebrate with family, it's a manifestation, it's a sign, it's, a, it's a, an indication that we're not just grains of sand blowing on the winds of history, but we have roots. We have common blood. We have kinship. We have something to anchor us. It's something that's, that's very much, I think, lacking. Or there's, a, there's a desire for that, whether we know it or not, to have something stable to anchor us. And this is a beautiful thing to reflect on at Christmas because we see that Christ also has family. Christ also has roots. He has family. He's not the result of some unthinking mechanical process where it just happens. It's not the result of accident or chance, but it was a plan. And he didn't just drop down out of the heavens either, like a, like a celebrity cameo. He was prepared for. Prepared for, in fact, from the foundations of the world. His genealogy goes back to Abraham and indeed to Adam himself. And God prepared that ancestry. He prepared that lineage. He prepared that family, fine-tuning it. And here's the interesting part. If you know and study the names that are in that long list of strange and Hebrew-sounding names, that that pedigree, that lineage of Jesus, it's not fine-tuned to be impeccable like a prize racehorse. Now that lineage, it's fine-tuned, yes, but it's fine-tuned in a sense to touch every dimension of human brokenness, of human loneliness, and human need. The stories of those people are told all through the Old Testament. All the great kings, the bad kings, the great sinners, the seducers, the righteous ones as well. All of them are part of that lineage of the Messiah. What that means for us is that God so wanted to be like us, so wanted to be like us in all aspects of our humanity that he himself also took on a family and roots. And in part, his intention was to give our roots back to us. And it began by giving Israel their roots, their story back again, because Israel had lost their roots at his, at his coming. The king in Jesus' time, the king of Israel, Herod, we know that name, he was not a descendant of David. He was not part of that lineage. And he knew that. And he knew that people knew that. And he knew that that caused them to question his legitimacy. In fact, that made him a little paranoid, made him a little insane, made him cruel. We know the story of the slaughter of the innocents, that every male child born in Bethlehem, two years of age and under, was rounded up and killed because there was a prophecy that the king, the true king, would come from Bethlehem. Herod knew his time was up. But that was just one example of many of his cruelties. Towards the end of his life, 
He began killing off members of his own family out of suspicion that they were after his throne. So it was important to establish that Jesus was descended from David. He is a legitimate heir to that throne. But as important as that is, it does far more. It gives us a chance to recover our own genealogies, our own roots, both as individuals, as a community, and as a church. These things run deep into our lives, whether we like it or not. Much of the unhappiness that we experience personally and culturally, socially, it's the rejection of our roots. At times, these things feel like they hem us in, they constrain us, they trap us and confine us. Our origins, our ancestry, our background, the conditions of our, of our coming to be, they, they feel like they constrain our ability to be the kind of people we want to be, to recreate ourselves as we want. You know, I had to grapple with this myself as a young man uh, discerning priesthood. I lived in a lot of different places. I was, I was kind of footloose. I lived in California and New England, I visited many places, Colorado and Chicago, Europe, Spain. All these different places were very attractive to me. I was, I was drawn to them. And it was an exciting possibility that maybe I could make one of those places my own. A place that's a, a little more glamorous, with a little more to do, with a different culture, with a different practice of the faith. Something that my upbringing, my, here, my time in Kansas, well, it felt just so ordinary. What about something extraordinary? I began to pray about that. What's that coming from? Is that what God wants for me? Certainly God does call some people to pick up and leave and go and start a new life elsewhere. It happens all the time. It happens all the, all the time in the scriptures. But I began to, began to ask the question, why was I born in Kansas? Why? Why, why, did that, why, did, why is my life here? How does anyone answer that question? How, do we, how can we answer that? It's an unanswerable question in a sense, but it, it stuck with me. And I asked God, was there a reason? Is there a reason for that? It was an important part of my discernment. And I began to reflect on even the stories of my own family, my ancestry. My family's not from Kansas. My dad grew up in Wisconsin, a little town on the shore of Lake Michigan. My mom is from a, a farm in a ranch outside of uh, Jefferson City, Missouri. And they came here for their own reasons. Met, married, started a family, and that was really the determining factor for my sister and I. That was, that was what set the conditions of our lives. Why Kansas? Well, that's a question that can only be answered by going back and back and back to understand all of those stories before my own. And so, too, it's impossible to really understand why unless we also consider what's yet to come. That God is preparing things, that we're all a kind of a link in a chain that's part of his providential plan. 
And so for my part, I decided to return. I decided to come back to the place where God had planted my family according to his own plans, not fully understanding why, but trying to imitate Mary, saying, well, let it be done to me according to your word. I came to understand that it is good to have the freedom to strive to make ourselves into the kinds of people we want to be. It is good to have the freedom to choose another set of relationships, another place, and all of the freedom and excitement that, it, that a new place brings. But I also came to recognize there's much good in choosing and saying yes to where we came from. Not cutting ourselves off from our roots, but learning how to be nourished by them. It's good to choose our roots precisely because we didn't design them. Like we do our friendships, like we do perhaps even our marriages. No, our roots, they were given to us as a gift by a loving father. And I know that there are times and situations where it's very hard to see that and recognize that. But Christmas is a chance for us to see that in its true light. That sometimes God's gifts take some time and patience to unwrap. So this history of the Messiah and the gospel and Mary pondering all of these things in her heart, what's well, a reminder to all of us who have heard these words proclaimed down through the centuries. And it's a chance for us to reconnect with the source of our roots, Jesus Christ. In the mystery of his will, he provides for us in and through his story, in and through our roots. So I hope you'll take some time prayerfully today or in the coming days to reflect on what it is that God has placed in your life as roots. What it is that he's given you. What it is that you can come to recognize and give thanks for as a mysterious, often messy, but grace-filled lineage that has brought you to this point and that God will use and continue to use for those yet to come those perhaps we will never meet. He provides for us by anchoring our stories within his story. The story that he continues to write in and through our lives, and a story that is meant to have a happy ending, to bring us to himself, and it's a communion with the blessed forever. When we cut ourselves off from that story, when we cut ourselves off from our roots, we wither and we die. No matter how long the leaves, those dry leaves, continue to hang on the withered branches of our hearts. But with him and in him, the Prince of Peace, we discover around the manger at Bethlehem a family that extends far beyond our blood relations. A spiritual family, a covenant family, a royal family that includes people of every lineage, that includes sinners. It includes our neighbors. It includes our enemies. It includes the saints. It includes even those many generations yet to come known only to God.
And so we, in whose veins flow the blood of Christ himself through our Eucharistic communion with him, we have a place in the Creator's plan. As we embrace one another and give gifts as signs of our wish for peace for one another, may God embrace each of us with the peace that he alone can give. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.